You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Discovering Multifamily. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have a very special guest here with us, Phil Kaluka. Kaluka. And um, he is the uh, host of Billionaires and Boxers, which is a uh, TV series. And um, he is uh, well-versed in the field of broadcasting, and he's been doing it for um, at least podcasting for almost six years and, and was uh, broadcasting on radio prior to that. And um, we want to talk today about uh, the importance of content creation um, for pretty much any business, but we could kind of cater it towards um, the um, multifamily and, and real estate business and how important it is to get your message out there and what are some of the techniques, you know, Phil advises um, for uh, people to uh, get more involved in, in the marketing scenario because in, in the real estate industry, it's been a little bit archaic to some extent and that's changing. So um, definitely check out, uh, it's BIB Media and I'm sure Phil can talk a little bit more about that, uh, BIB TV, uh, so you can, you know, see his uh, shows because they're very interesting and uh, you know, appreciate Phil for coming on. Oh, no, it's great to be here. So as, as we were saying off air, so real estate's my passion. It was, I started life as a surveyor. So um, everything I learned through, through broadcasting and marketing sales and lead generation and all this wonderful stuff um, that led right the way to, to sort of recruitment and commercial board level roles was, was all based around content creation. Um, I think it's a, a vital part of everyone's business and it amazes me how many businesses are still leafleting, but aren't creating content. It, in fact, it just blows my mind. Sure. Uh, it's, it's like there is, I'll give you, I'll give you a really easy example, something that everybody can do and most people haven't. Okay. So this is how you generate leads, no matter what it is you're trying to attract. So if you, we were saying this off air, but if you want an investor, if you want to find stock, if you want to find below market value properties, if you want to find whatever it is, right? The people that you're looking for, your target audience, once you know what they are, that, that customer avatar, right? You know what kind of questions they're asking. You know what things they're looking for. And there are tools out there now, like the website also asked, which is a S K E D my accent's pretty thick. So you might not be able to understand that, but also ask.com. Right. And it's sort of a reversed engineer tool that allows you to do a search for a, a subject and it will tell you the most commonly searched questions in relation to that subject. And you can break it down in terms of geographical area. So if you just look at that list, you'll have maybe 30 or 40 questions that are really commonly asked about that in your area. If you could just create one short video answering each of those questions and stick them on your website and reference them on YouTube and get them up on Google, every time somebody looks for that, you've seen it. Google is pushing content. It's always pushing videos, images. That's the stuff it wants you to see. It wants you to engage and be interactive. So if there's an article about it on Wikipedia or a newspaper article about it, or there's a video about it, the video will always be pushed immediately below the sponsored adverts. That's where they want you to see them. So your content can be there for all of the people who you're trying to attract. 
And then, you know, you, you just get down to your simple, usual market stuff, your, your, your click funnels, your cookies in the background to see who's doing what, your retargeting campaigns. There's always somebody out there that can do this stuff for you. You don't have to be a whiz kid and know all of this stuff. The best thing is if you're in this industry or, or wherever you are, if you're an investor that's, you've, you've got some properties, you've done a few times now and you know what you're looking for. Yeah, this, this is a recipe for success when you combine it with content because then those deals will find you and you're having conversations with people that are relevant to what you were looking for. It's beautiful. I don't know why more people don't do it. Sure. Um, now, how do, you, how do you determine what's good content and what's okay content and what's bad content? Because there's a lot of content out there. Yeah, there is. Um, I think my definition of it is probably different to other people's um, because I'm a big believer in people should be creating content. And when I look at my early content, I cringe um, and you're like, Oh, did I really do that? That was awful. I can't believe I let that go out. Um, but you've got to start somewhere and everybody has to start somewhere. And we've all had that cringe worthy journey, right? And it doesn't matter if you're doing your very first piece of content, it's going to be cringe worthy, but it's better to have something out there than not have something out there at all. Um, you know, I talk about podcasting as an example. So we're on a podcast right now, right? So I always find the stats really interesting when you look at what's happening in the rest of the world. So as you know, I do a lot of work in Africa. The number of podcasters in the last 12 months has doubled across Africa, doubled, okay? Which is pretty impressive on its own until you realize that that means that they're now at the place that the United States were in terms of podcasting in 2003, so the importance to having a podcast over there is similar to asking the question, do you want a website for your business? Well, yeah, <laughs> of course I do, because it's a great way to engage with people. It's a great way to, you know, break into new markets. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a win-win situation. And, and that's what I like to talk about because, you know, your listeners here are, you know, hopefully getting something from this, they get to implement it into their businesses, which make them more successful, which is going to make them more likely to listen to your show again, because you've helped them. Likewise, some of them might like what I'm saying, go and check out our content, enjoy some of that, and they might stick around and enjoy some more. I'll have people from our network that see I'm on this show, will come and check out the interview and see what it's all about. And if they're interested in real estate, they're going to stick around and learn more from you. It's a win-win situation for everybody. And we get to have a great conversation as part of the process. Um, I love it because every day is a school day and you know, you, I'm learning from people all around the world and I'm getting to share things that I know that can enrich people's lives and empower them in their businesses. So yeah, it's awesome. I love it. Awesome. So I want to focus this episode a little bit more and you kind of, um, it's a, some light bulbs are going off right now. You're talking, <laughs> we're on a podcast right now. Um, you have a podcast a lot, you know, you mentioned the numbers in South Africa and, and yep. the U.S. even, you know, um, 10 years ago. So actually more than 10 years ago. Yeah. And, um, so what, what is the importance of having a podcast? Is that, do you, I think it's great that you said, oh, it's almost as important as having a website. Yeah, nowadays. I think it is. Um, coming back to the question on content before. How do you make your content stand out? What's the difference between good content, bad content, okay content? Same mm -hmm. question as it relates to the podcast. How do you say? Yeah, I, th 
I think it's provided the subject is, is what people want to know. So that's what, that's where I think it's so much easier now than it ever was before, because, you know, you'd have to guess what people wanted. I mean, half the stuff I created was, I think this will be interesting. So hopefully other people do too. Um, but when there's a roadmap for you in terms of, you know, websites like also asked and they can lead to places and you know what it's like. If you write 30 shows and book 30 guests to cover those questions alone, the more you talk to these people, the more subjects come up anyway. And the more interesting topics you have to talk about as a result, because you know what's going on because you've just spoken to 30 really cool people about 30 really pressing things. So I think for me, the, the thing that makes good content and bad content is the value add. I think there's, there's a lot of content out there that's, that's rather self-promotional. Um, maybe it's because I'm British. I don't know, but I, I find that stuff kind of cringy. Um, I heard a quote and I wish I could remember who it was. I'm going to give it to Bob Proctor. I think it was Bob Proctor that said it, but I don't, I don't fully remember. But somebody said, all these people that you see on Instagram and social media, right? If they were that successful and that happy, why are they needing to take pictures of it to show you? Right. And it was like, actually, I think about it and I think all the, like the, I know a handful of billionaires and I know some really, really successful people and very few of them have social media and the ones that do rarely use it. Um, I think I got accepted on LinkedIn to a connection request. I sent to one of my mentors about 18 months ago. I'm not sure it was the last time he was on. Um, they just don't do it. They do, there is no need for it. Why? You know, nobody is, no billionaire is sat there going, you know what I really need to do right now to make myself feel better is pose by my car that I love so much and show it to a load of strangers whose opinions don't really matter to me. It, it's, it, it's not what happens. So all, we call them the fake shakes. They say, watch out for the fake shakes, you know? Um, and there's so many of them out there. And, and I think the great test is always the value add. It's if they're going to, if, if they won't give you any value add until you've bought something, they haven't got any to give you. Um, I, and, and this is coming from a place of somebody who's wasted 10, $20,000 comfortably in the last two years on courses with coaches. I really shouldn't have bought into. Um, and I, I learned about 12 months later, this is a true story. One of my mentors said to me, if you've ever paid for a mentor, um, they're a supplier, not a mentor. And I was like, mm, that's an interesting point. And uh, from that, my attitude towards sort of mentorship changed quite a lot, if I'm honest. Um, because I'd, there'd been a few people I'd paid a lot of money, you know, double figures to get into small groups with them so I could be mentored by them directly. And it was all a, it was all a charade. So, and the way that you can spot it is they're all very rah, 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 look at me, you know, here's this unnamed person let's call them bob hey bob bob came to me and bob was broke like you bob's now a millionaire be like bob and it's like well how you know give me some facts give me something actionable give me something that i can go and implement that i can see works and then i'll go yeah this guy knows what he's talking about or this girl knows what she's talking about i'm gonna go sign up now um but so many of them will be like listen if you've enjoyed this and you want to unlock the secrets to our success download our audio book now it's usually $30. It's now only $9 for you. Well, it's still going to cost you $9 to download an audio book or an ebook that's completely full of crap. Sure. Um, sure. Waste of time. Sure. So how do you, you mentioned the purpose of having content being non-self-promotional. So 
a big thing for, for, for my company and what we do is it's more educational. Yep. Um, absolutely. You mentioned a value add. So can you kind of talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. So value added for, for me is, is the sole purpose of content. I mean, there's adverts for self-promotional stuff. That's not what this kind of medium is for. Um, and in fact, I think, you know, we need to take it right back to basics because I work in the tech sector. I love the tech sector. I love technology, but people still buy people. The biggest tech deals in the world are done because the people like each other and build a project together. Um, there was still people at the heart of it. So I think make sure that people remain at the heart of your podcast. You know, if this isn't something that you'd enjoy listening to about somebody else's company, then don't do it for yours. I'll give an example. I have a client of mine who owns a cybersecurity business and his guys are top draw, right? They are brilliant at what they do, but their podcast was going nowhere. And the reason it was going nowhere is they're so technical. It's boring. Like it's great that they know what they're doing, but who cares that they know what they're doing? They should know what they're doing. It's their job. Right? It wasn't interesting content and only other people in their sector would understand it. And that's not their demographic. That's not who they were trying to sell to. So my suggestion was, and I'm going to take it right back to basics, which is, you know, one of their main markets they work in uh, is in the, the maritime industry and about sort of GPS tracking and security for that and all this sort of stuff. And I said, well, one of the things that you need to do then is you need to make sure that you're interviewing the top guests within marine, the marine world. You know, you need to be interviewing the, the top athletes, you know, the companies, the sponsors, the, the former athletes, the, you know, the writers, the authors, the surfers, you need to be interviewing them, not each other, because what you need to be doing is getting your target audience listening to an interesting conversation with you. And they're like, well, how do people know what we do then? It was like, cause it's branded all over the podcast. They're going to come to you because they like you. They already know what you do. Your website tells them what you do. That's not what the content's for. The content's for value add, build relationships with people, have some fun talking about a shared passion, a shared love, a shared vision, a shared target, and see what comes out the other side of it. Because the genuine sales that come from that and relationships and all that kind of stuff, they're, they're worth more than any marketing campaign could be. Sure. Awesome. So um, going back to that a little bit on podcasting, for our listeners out there, can you advise them on because I hear this all the time. I don't want to start a podcast or it's too hard or I don't have the Nonsense. time. What would you say to them? Is it easy, hard? No, the- it's look, it's, it takes effort, but everything takes effort, but it's so much easier than it ever was these days. I mean, you know, we met on matchmaker.fm. Obviously the sister company for that is podcast.co. Um, I know James very well and a massive plug for what they're doing, but you know, they give you a couple of weeks free hosting so you can try it out and they will upload it to iTunes and Spotify and Google and they just do it all for you and they'll create audio files that you can use to advertise your show on social media. It's never been easier. All the things that I either had to go and do myself or hunt around the internet to try and find solutions for each individual bit. That's now under one umbrella and it costs next to nothing. And in terms of not having time, I don't know how to answer that because for me, it was the complete opposite. It was, I was having really interesting conversations with people and then wasting so much time telling other people that week about this really interesting conversation I'd had with this person. It was just duplicating and wasting my time. So I was thinking it's going to be so much more efficient if I can record the conversation and then 
I can release it and other people can enjoy it. And every time I reference it, I can just go, ah, I tell you what, I'll send you this guy's link from this podcast I did the other day. You'll really enjoy it. And then I don't have to spend 20 minutes explaining it. So it was actually a time saver for me. Makes a lot of sense. Um, Phil, so what do you need to, for people out there thinking about starting a podcast or they're already, they've been doing it and seeing a little bit of success, but maybe not yep. the results that they want yet. I guess number two questions. Number one, I guess, how long does it take for someone to really get the exposure that they're looking for uh, mm-hmm. after starting the podcast? How many, is it metric of episodes or metrics of yeah. rating? It depends more on the, the, it's like anything, isn't it? It depends what you're feeding it. Um, so if it's you organically bashing away, trying to have a conversation and hope that more people on your social media see it, like it and share it, that's going to take quite a while. Um, the fastest way to grow a podcast is to link with guests who already have an audience and get them to share it, do something that's reciprocal. Now, the hard thing with that is the people at the very top need a currency to deal with. And it doesn't always have to be money. In fact, it rarely is. But if you turn up and say, I've got 150 people listening to my podcast, um, you know, Tony Robbins, will you please come on and have a chat with me? The answer is probably going to be a polite no until you're a bit bigger. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't get other people on. That doesn't mean that you don't have to be famous for the whole world, you know, especially for your, your audience and your listeners. They will have a demographic and market that they like to work and that they will feel most comfortable in. Become the king or queen of that market. You know, bring on all the biggest developers, you know, go down to City Hall, find out who's got planning permission in for the biggest projects and go and approach the CEOs of those companies and say, you're doing some really interesting stuff in a city that I spend a lot of time and money investing into. I'd love to get your thoughts on why this place, why that building, why that project. And they'll do it every day of the week because they want exposure for what they're doing as well. Sure, sure. Um, do you have, I get these questions all the time. Uh, should I do a daily podcast? Should I do a weekly podcast? Should I do a monthly podcast? What's the answer? Um, that's a good question. I think anything less than one a month and you're in trouble. Um, anything for, for me, when you're first starting, anything more than one a week is probably forced. Uh, I think the sweet spot is probably one every fortnight um, for when you're first starting. But it depends what you want to use it for. Um, I mean, if you're a business and you've got loads of people in your team that could create really interesting content and they could interview their clients or customers or whatever, and there's, there's loads of stuff you could do with it, then release several a week. I mean, if it's good content, so that's the answer. You know, it's unfortunately common sense isn't very common, but it's use common sense. As long as the stuff that's coming out is still quality and it's not just forced because you're trying to get stuff out. People would much rather you had a two-week gap and brought out something with value add than just released a video for the sake of releasing a video. Sure. Makes a lot of sense. So, Phil, kind of winding down the show a little bit, um, you talked about your experience in real estate before. Do you Mm. have a favorite real estate book or business book that kind of helped you to where you are today? Good question. So, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was obviously the one that inspires most people right from the very beginning. And I was no different. Uh, in fact, I'm looking at my bookshelf there. I've got quite a few over there. Um, this yes, is a number. I, do, do you know what? I think for me, it was more of a person who inspired me because, um, you know, when you're a kid and you kind of, you don't understand the world, you know, you, you, you see the material stuff, right? 
And there was a guy and he drove the most stunning car. It was a Bugatti, right? But it was a classic. It was gorgeous. And I loved this car. And he used to just collect cars, which I never understood. Like some people around where I grew up couldn't afford one. And this guy was just like collecting them. And he was buying these like kit cars, these Morgans and building these classic English motor sport cars. They were beautiful. And I didn't understand how he had so much money, but he seemed so happy and he was so wealthy and so prosperous. And then one day I deliberately kicked my football into his garden so I could go and knock on his door. And I asked him, so what do you do? He said, oh, I'm a surveyor. I went, what's a surveyor? And he's like, oh, well, you know, when there's new construction projects going on, so he says, I'm the guy that made that happen. Like I bring all the pieces together and do this. And I was like, that sounds cool. And he's like, it is. And he said, because essentially I sign a contract at the beginning, turn up and smile. And then I get there at the end when it's built and everyone pats me on the back. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Like that's, that's what I want to do. So for a long time, that was where I wanted to go. And I went into valuation surveying directly as a result of that person. Uh, what he didn't tell me was all the years that you have to spend standing in a field where there's nothing up to your ankles in cow rubbish um, with a clipboard sizing up projects that are never going to be completed anyway. <laughs> um, and, and, but you, you know, I think, I think most of your listeners will resonate with this. Once you, once you have been bitten by the real estate bug, once you real estate's either something you love or, or it's something you don't. There are some people that will be passionate about stocks and shares. I can't do it. I love real estate. Um, but I would highly, highly, highly recommend that people also look at, other markets. That's the one thing I would say. I've had a lot of success in Southern Africa doing that exact thing. Look at where it's going to be emerging. Look at what it's doing. You know, it's great to be local, but use that success locally to to venture out and try something more creative. Um, you can do very well locally, very well. But the the people who make it big, they have very diverse portfolios. Very interesting, Phil. How could people find you? Uh, surname is pretty easy. I think there's only one of me. So anybody that searches Phil Paluccia, which is P-E-L-U-C-H-A on Google, it's a good way to find me. Other than that, head for billionairesinboxes.com. Awesome. Well, what we'll do is we'll add a link to Phil's LinkedIn profile and website and, and other links in our comment section on um, all our social media platforms and also in the description box on iTunes. And really want to thank you, Phil, for coming on our show today. You're more than if welcome, you- buddy. I think we learned a lot and our audience learned a lot and hope to have you on again soon. Sure thing, buddy. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you.